You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit njrpr.com for more details and read Nicola's best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's Making Money Online podcast. Today, I have a guest with me. You'll be pleased to hear. I'm here with Amanda Walker. So Amanda helps service-based entrepreneurs make more impact and make more money. And she does it really authentically. I've been following Amanda for a while and love the way she puts her heart into everything. And it's not always just about the money, but saying that she will teach you how to make money at the same time. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you. No worries. Tell us a bit about how you got started. I'm always interested on how people became coaches because you're more like what I would call a pure coach. How did you get started doing that? Yeah, a lot of my colleagues call me the coach's coach, which I really appreciate that. I actually took my first coaching job when I was 15 and um, I was not even able to drive. My parents had to drive me to the local YMCA and that is where I started coaching basketball. I was coaching five and six-year-old basketball And hindsight, you know, you always learn and see, but that was a transformative moment in my life because it was the first time I got a taste of what it's like to use cues and watch physiology and um, understand what's blocking people in their brain. And my clients then were five and six-year-old boys, but to watch them, you know, have these moments where they just had total self-belief was a domino for me that led into a next job, which was the inaugural season of the WNBA here in the U.S., which the Women's (laughs) Professional basketball league. And out of hundreds and hundreds of applicants, I was selected to coach inner city youth to coach more basketball. So a lot of the beginnings were in sports, but the rest of my life has been spent coaching people in some capacity. And that led to kind of stumbling into entrepreneurship. And I grew my coaching practice in the health and wellness side pretty rapidly. And from that, just organically had people like, okay, you're an amazing coach. I want to do this. Help me grow my business. Um, And inevitably, when you coach, there's just so much that goes into handling your coaching yourself, right? When you're dealing with clients and their results, but also unique intricacies that come along with growing a coaching practice. And so that's kind of where I've landed now is working with coaches, but also larger service-based corporate world too, where they're just wanting to be better coaches for their, you know, employees or at the leadership top-down level. Yeah. And actually, when you have a look at sports players and entrepreneurs, There's a similar drive there. And I suspect it's not that different, the kind of belief systems that get in the way. Yeah, I agree. I was doing a keynote a couple of weeks ago. And one of the stories I tell is about being 16 and um, playing basketball and something that happened. And I I broke an arm and my coach basically put me in the game with my cast bubble wrapped and I had to shoot with my off hand. And I go and I score like 15 points, game winning shot. And my husband's like, I don't think people are going to relate to that story. And I was like, no, no, no. I feel it like in my core. I can't tell you how many people came up to me after. Like, I so relate to the sports because I do think there's a grittiness and a resiliency 
that being an athlete teaches you that is so transferable to entrepreneurship? It really is. And resi- I always think resilience is one of the most important parts of being an entrepreneur. I think if you don't have resilience, you find it really difficult in this kind of business world. What would you say are some of the other things that entrepreneurs will benefit from having that are, you know, like we know resilience is one. What else do people need? I think the other thing that they need is patience, right? They need to be in it for the long term. And so I think they need to have a practice of being future focused. And that is like, they're so clear on the vision where of where they're going that it doesn't matter the external feedback. It doesn't matter if there's no views on a video or a reel, there's no clicks, there's no comments uh, that people don't show up on the first time. It's like, yeah, yes, that happened. And I have such clarity and self-belief of where I'm going that I'm going to keep taking action. And that's really hard because we're almost taught online just because of how the online world is, that it's all validation, that all we need is more clicks and all we need is more likes and almost these vanity metrics are the things that keep us going. And it's really hard to get into that state of mind of these things don't matter. I know where I'm going. I can see where I'm going. And these these little things now I'll look back on and they won't really matter. Um, and I think that's really difficult to do. I also think when it comes to patience, we know how how important patience is for entrepreneurs because things take time. But we're almost taught that if you don't make a load of money within the first six months of being online, you've somehow failed. Yeah, That's totally. Hard. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think you and I probably both know um, I, at the two slots, like I know plenty of people that if we were to see from the outside in have a wild social media following and lots of views and likes and aren't monetizing it one bit. And it does become, I ask, it's like, is this an ego-driven business or is this an impact-driven business? And I think that's something that you have to, you know, do the self-coaching around. And then I have colleagues that are multi-seven figure and up, and they don't even show up on social media because their business model doesn't demand it. They don't have a desire. They've curated it outside. So I think it's important to understand there is no right way. It's about understanding your goals, your mission, and being in front of the right people and finding a strategy that you can kind of double down on. Yeah. And as a coach, I presume that some of your work is working out the best strategies for your clients because we're all so different. And, you know, coaches can get into your head a bit more easily and see what your limiting beliefs are and what's stopping you from actually being that high performer. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Def- I mean, being in, if I'm coaching, let's say on my caseload right now, I have a um, a woman who's coaching volleyball players to be recruited to play college volleyball, right? Where she needs to be when she's reaching both student and parent is entirely different strategy than somebody over here, like another client of mine, who's an infidelity coach, right? Who's having these most intimate relationships, Mm. the trust nurtured for someone to finally reach out to actually ask, ask for support when there's infidelity in the marriage takes two totally different strategies. But I would say the common thread is displaying the results and showcasing the results they're able to curate with their clients so that that trust factor can actually be slowly dripped in and installed. Yeah, let's talk about that because a lot of people think the only way to kind of get more clients and grow your business online is Facebook ads. People go straight for the Facebook ads. You and I like an organic approach and always have. I've only just started using Facebook ads. When you talk about organic marketing for your coaching business, what kind of strategies do you use? Is testimonials like the big thing? 
Yeah. Well, I want to go back and I didn't say this before, but I was a high school teacher for 10 years. And I think that's important to know because I have, I've never sold anything in my life during this, right? I went to undergrad, I went to grad grad school, got a degree in teaching and coaching and went right into teaching high school. And so the whole time I was just kind of like, this is great. I love the job. And I just knew there was like, I hadn't tapped into my full potential. And so coming out, I ultimately left that profession because my husband was a police officer. He was on call all the time. My paychecks were $623 American, like nothing every other week. I was making nothing. I was like, this is, there's gotta be something else. Yeah. I think it's important to know that I don't have formal or even I've never sold anything. I've never worked in corporate. I've never done any marketing. And so what I had was my intuition. And what I did have was a skill set in delivering results. So I knew that I was great at the coaching and the delivering, like my people were having results. And so the light bulb for me was I have to just showcase these as much as possible. And the more I showcase them, the more people are like, hey, I saw that she could do that. Then why shouldn't I be able to do that? And so that became, I guess, the aha moment in my business of how do I continue to lead with that from an authentic place and let that do the talking for me so I could do less? And I think that's such a brilliant idea because a lot of what we see online, and and I kind of made this mistake in the beginning of my journey, was we talk about how well we've done. And that's one thing. Whereas when we focus on our client results and we talk about our clients and the problems they had and the symptoms they had and how we've been able to help them, that's what people identify with so much more than, you know, yes, you as a unicorn may have made all of this money or whatever. But that's not the thing that we should be really concentrating on, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think you and I both came through. I was touch. I was just getting started in this industry when online courses and stuff were really becoming a thing. And I remember sitting down with a colleague and he was like, Amanda, thousands of people have been through my um, course, but I don't have any results to show it. And I'm like, then what are we doing? Like, what are we doing this for? If we're not actually impacting people and they're not having results. And so I think it was like a a great learning for me that you can make lots of money and what about the people? And so I think that now we're in this place where that is being sniffed out, right? It really is. And now we are starting to see real coaches from my perspective are able to replicate the results they created from themselves and do it with their clients and be able to show like, this is Lisa's walking example. And I, I actually don't think um, that formal testimonials are the best way to do this. And so when I teach kind of my framework, I like to call out, I'm going to go into just like a bit of strategy if that's okay. We have these formal testimonials that we send and invite people to create right after they finish our course. We're like, Hey, can you fill out this form or can you record this video or answer these few questions. And those are great. But if we're honest with each other, sometimes people, people feel compelled, right? They, yeah, they, they have, feel like they have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I've been in that position before. We do. So, <laughs> it was fun. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. I wasn't completely congruent with it. For me, the power comes in what I call informal testimonials. These are the unsolicited testimonials that your clients, because they're having such amazing results, they just willingly give you. And it could be in the form of a post in your Facebook community. This could be in the form of an email. It could be if you support your clients, you know, outside in some sort of app, like my one-to-one clients I use in Voxer. Um, This could be in the DMs uh, of your social media. But what I see is a lot of people have those things coming in, but they're so inundated with the day in and day out. They're not actually 
capturing them. They don't have a system to repurpose them. And they're not in their content somewhere sprinkling these in to actually build trust and allow their audience to see like, oh, she's she's getting the results that I know that I want. And it's really important because you can tell when you're reading something where energy was behind it. Like when people send us an email and go, oh my God, you changed my life. That's week this happened. That's so much better than I worked with Lisa and I now feel more confident and I made this much money. Like you can feel the intention behind it. Um, we save all of ours. And then during our one-to-many, which is our big launch, we put them out then because you know, we're like, yeah, we could use these throughout the year, but actually we want to show people just how many results that we get from people in one big go and it's so impactful to do that um such a good way of doing things yeah one of the things that I've really noticed like you're in the U.S. and I think that coaching has become a really normal thing just like when people used to you know everybody had a therapist now everyone has a coach whatever it is they're doing in life because they know that they need someone behind them kind of pushing them a little bit and challenging them and I think in the UK we're not there yet. People mm. still, if you speak to somebody that, you know, I've always had a coach, but if I speak to somebody that's not in this online world, that I've got a coach and they're like, why do you need a coach? Like, surely only sports people have coaches. Like, who do you think you are kind of thing? And in right. the UK, it's, it, we're, we're still a baby when it comes to the coaching industry. We're growing um, because we're following the lead of the US. How much is it there? Is it like, are people really used to it now? Or do you still have to explain how coaching can help. I think perception is interesting because I still run into people all of the time and have conversations. You know, I have two kids, so I'm at the fields with the kids or running into parents. And I still think there is many people that either one, don't really understand what it is or two, don't see the value. I think there's still a bit of like, I can do this myself. I, I can muscle through. Um, and so I think there's a, a very mixed role. I think when you're an entrepreneur, it feels like there's so much more because yeah. we just unapologetically invest in ourselves. And depending upon your clientele, um, that may not be, that's still, I think, a, a new experience for many. Yeah, you're probably right, actually, that people, when you talk about people not seeing the value in it, I think that's a massive thing, people not seeing the value. And when they say, I can do it myself. They're right. They can do it themselves. But why would you want to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I always you think, can get there faster than yeah. hey, I'm here for it. And just with that support network of someone that challenged you, I think it's really hard when you're with family and friends. Like people always say to me, well, my family and friends, they like push me to do more. They don't challenge you. Like sometimes you need somebody to call you out on your own limitations and the things that you're putting in front of yourself and I think coaching is so good for that like my coach does that to me all the time like listen to what you're saying to yourself (laughs) yeah I totally agree 100% and I think the bigger piece of this is is we don't realize as humans how comfortable we are with comforts and so we we settle into our lives and we are constantly surrounding ourselves with ways to feel comfortable. I mean, I, I mean, I could talk about this component of it for days, looking at the lifestyle, looking at health in the U.S., looking at uh, money in the U.S. And now, you know, the thought of someone challenging me into discomfort, right? We want to avoid that often at all costs. And the consequence of that, though, is living what I would say a life like unfulfilled, right, or a, a life 
seeing everybody else around you reach a, a fuller potential. I always say, like, like you said earlier, I am not a unicorn. Like I have never been the smartest. I have never been the most connected. I've started from scratch. I, I, and yet I knew that I always was willing to do the uncomfortable work to be the hardest worker in the room. And I think that anybody, you know, can create that for themselves too. Yeah, that's true. What is the biggest problem that your clients come to you with? I think two things come up. I think as business owners, we're always going to have the, I want more clients problem. So client attraction is always going to be the first one. And the second one is feeling a lack of confidence in their ability to facilitate results with their clients, which is definitely like my favorite thing to coach and just helping them settle into a coaching session and have undeniable confidence that they are the right person to coach that client, to be able to help them stop doing all the thinking and doing more listening and coaching sessions um, and just trusting their skill set as a coach and understanding that, you know, if you and I coach the same person, or let's say we put 20 coaches and coaching the same person, we would all do it differently. Yeah. And the beauty is owning the way you do it, because that's ultimately what's going to set you apart and what's going to give you the ability to curate really amazing results with your people. Because if you show up without belief and you show up second guessing yourself, you're missing the opportunity to have some really big breakthroughs and get some of those like informal, unsolicited testimonials that people are going to give you back because you blew their minds in a coaching session. Yeah. And that's where all the light bulb moments come from. Like the confidence that you know what you're doing and you know how you can help people and you're enthusiastic about doing it as well. The last area I wanted to touch on with you is you were known in the kind of health, the wellness industry. Now there is a pandemic of entrepreneurs not looking after themselves and not looking after their health. It is not the first thing in an entrepreneur's mind. Um, I know this from experience. Are you seeing that that's getting better? Or do you still think there's a ton of people that need to really start focusing on this? Yeah, I mean, this is, and I want to clarify, I still coach a lot of, I I still do one high level one-to-one with entrepreneurs in a performance space, right? And I weave health and fitness into performance, right? For me is the the mind, the mind follows the body. And so often though, we're trying to flip-flop it a little bit. And I think what it really boils down to is this is still a problem. I don't think it's going anywhere. Mm. Um, I only see it worsening from my perspective in a market here where things like times, you know, maybe for some are, are more challenging. What I see is it's this internal conflict happening inside the unconscious, right? It's like, I'm, not to go too deep into coaching, but we have this part of our brain, the conscious mind, that's the goal setter. It's like, I want to make all the money. And then we have the unconscious, which is what we call the goal seeker. It's the one though, that is an aligned, you know, either the beliefs align with it or not. Often what I see in entrepreneurs is the conscious mind says, I want to work on my health. Like I, I want to make it a priority, but the unconscious mind is like, but I want to make the money. Money. <laughs> And so there's conflict that happens. And so you say you want to do the thing, but you lack the belief that supports that. And anytime there is a friction there, then we don't take the action day in and day out to make that happen. And so that's the fun part of working with entrepreneurs is to find these little ways, right? Because you and I both know 
what is a priority we make happen so we can BS our way into telling stories about why I'm so busy, all these things, but ultimately it's just not a priority. And so the important part is helping to find ways to frame it and to, you know, do some of the work, you know, in the mind to help release some of those blocks so they can have success. Because if you stand on stage as an entrepreneur or you want the stamina, the energy, the productivity, like you will just have so much more trust and rapport built with your audience when you are an example of whole health. And yeah. from my perspective, right? And not only that, you just feel so good in your skin. When you stand on stage, you rock like the outfit you want to rock. You do the things that you know you are solely put on this earth to do when you feel great in your body. And that's not a size I want to specify. That's not a size. It's not a number. It's just unique to each person. And more often than not, I think it's just a feeling you curate and that bleeds right into your business. It's all about the confidence, the confidence of being the best coach you can be. We've talked about like the self-belief side. That's about the confidence. The health side ultimately helps you with the confidence. And so much of this does. And and a confident coach is a brilliant coach uh, who can get amazing results. If somebody needs some help in one of these areas from you, where is the best place that they can come find you? I also host a podcast for which you are a guest on. So uh, that is called The Best Damn Coach. And we focus on these aspects, like not just how to be a great coach, but how to coach yourself, right? And what things look like um, when you're running a coaching business. Um, My website's a great place too, amanda-walker.com. And we have great resources for coaches there. Like we put together a list of 10 powerful questions we think every coach should have in their back pocket. And we also host a weekly networking community called do the damn thing. (laughs) We help uh, entrepreneurs just come together and lean into tasks in their business and life that they're resisting, which might mean eating a healthy meal or doing a workout. When you are on zoom with other ladies, you turn your camera off and you make it happen. So um, yeah, anyway, great idea. Yeah. Love a bit of implementation. Thank you for being here today. And thank you guys for tuning in as always. If you want to chat about what we've been talking about today, you can go into that strategy group and we can have a chat in there. I'd love to hear from any of you that feel like you're not prioritizing your health when you know you should be and what kind of things that you're telling yourself about that. So come and have a chat about that. I will see you next week for another episode of Making Money Online. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.